Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. As pregnancy diagnosis is confirmed on farm, we turn our attention to whether to cull empty cows early or milk them on until December. Dairy specialist George Ramsbottom joins us to consider the best option for our farms, depending on cow suitability and feed availability on farm. So I suppose if we think about it uh, in spring calving herds, and it's mostly spring calving herds we're, we're going to focus on in this interview, there's about 100 days milk left in those herds from around the 1st of September. So if you work out September, October, November, and 10 days in December, maximum of 100 days is what's left in those herds. And there's probably slightly less than that if you're being honest, because maybe a third or a quarter of the cows will be dried off by early November to allow for condition and younger animals getting a bit longer of a dry period to allow them to recover their condition for the next calving. So around 80 to 100 days is what's left. In money terms, if we work off a figure of around 15 litres per day there's, uh, and 60 cents per litre for the milk, there's you know somewhere in seven and 900 euros worth of milk left in many of the cows that are in spring calving herds at the moment. So there's a good bit of money left out there to be drawn down over the next number of months. And if we look at it then from the context of uh, feed supply, and um, we would have spoken uh, with uh, Joe Patton uh, previously uh, back in July, and at that stage, things were very healthy when we were looking at uh, winter fodder. Um, I suppose things have persisted from a drought perspective and the picture may have changed on a lot of farms. Uh, some insight from you, George, in terms of what you've seen across the country from a feed and forage um, point of view. Well, I suppose the, just to recap there, Emma-Louise, the survey that was done earlier in the year showed that on average on dairy farms, we were in a very good position with forage. Now, I've never seen such variation uh, between regions in the country. So, for example, there are farms in the north and northwest that are feeding 17 and 18 kilos of grass dry matter per cow per day and one or two kilos a meal at the moment. And in other regions of the country, there's anything from fully silage and meal diets going in to maybe six, six and six, six silage, six kilos of grass dry matter and six kilos of meal going in. So it, there's a huge variation. And the southeast uh, and the east seems to be worse affected by the a prolonged dry spell that we're having at the moment with very low growth rates being seen in those farms. So on some dairy farms, we'll be coming from a standing start uh, in terms of farm cover and trying to build up cover for the autumn and for the winter with hopefully the bit of rain that's coming over the weekend starting to, to have an impact in terms of uh, renewed growth rate and maybe getting things back on track. We're a long way off in some parts and well on target in others. So the huge variation out there at the moment. A second forage survey will be conducted in the coming weeks and it will, will await with interest the outcome of that survey. And I guess with all of that in mind, like you, you've referred to the revenue coming into the business in the form of milk yield. And um, also, I, I suppose, the backdrop of that, what is fueling that milk yield in terms of feed? Um, something that we debate every year is when is the best time to call empty cows from the spring calving system? Do we do it early and, and build reserves or do we milk on and get revenue out of those cows and offload them from the farm in the month of December? I, I know that you've done some scenarios across a number of years, but if you take this year's pricing, 
what are the considerations that farmers need to think about and what is the best strategy? In- instinctively, one always thinks that uh, culling cows um, is just as profitable as trying to milk them on in, in through the autumn. I suppose when, I, when I'm looking at the data that uh, I have available to me on immediate culling or milking on, uh, this year, we're with, with the higher milk price that's prevailing at the moment, we're seeing you know, that if people can source forage or have forage available to them, uh, it'll be more profitable to milk those cows on. So I've looked at three different options, uh, and I use the same kind of a model every year, Emma Louise, when I'm doing this data. I'm looking at option one, which is cull immediately from the parlor into the factory. I'm looking at a second option where we dry off the cow and fatten her for 60 days. And I'm looking at a third option where we're milking once a day for 60 days, uh, feeding them heavily during that period and sell them straight out of the parlor then after a 60 day, once a day milking scenario, uh, selling them straight out of the parlor to the factory. And if we look at the call immediately scenario, uh, we're seeing, you know, with the kind of a, a prevailing carcass values, uh, you know, the carcass value of a 220 kilo cow a 220 kilo carcass weight would be worth around 950 euro at the moment. We're assuming a relatively low kill out of around 40% and maybe a second or third or fourth lactation cow on average being culled from the place. We'd assume she's empty and she'll kill out around 220 kilos. Now compared to that, there's a small additional margin of around 120 euro where the cow is dried off on the 1st of September and fattened for 60 days. What happens is we've a higher carcass value, it's worth around 1300 euro instead of 950. But on top of that, we also have higher costs in card because we're feeding our cow on a diet of meal and uh, silage for an additional 60 days. Someone uh, said to me that a 40 cent drop in the value per kilo would eliminate any additional profits that were generated by drying her off and making her for those 60 days. The third scenario we looked at then was where we milk them once a day for 60 days and then slaughter them straight out of the parlour. And what you see here is an, an intermediate carcass value. So instead of 946 euro or 950, which is killed straight away, our carcass value would we'd expect would go to around 1120 euro. So it would be worth about 270 euro more in terms of carcass value. But we'd have higher forage costs and we'll be feeding more forage, about a ton of forage and feed will be required over the 60 days. And that'll cost around 350 euro uh, at current prices. But we additionally have around 540 euros worth of milk receipts there as well. So the bottom line would be that compared with selling them straight to the factory, there'd be an additional margin there of around 370 euro to keep those cows on. I suppose we need to look at the bigger the bigger picture on farms and for some people, it, it won't be worth um, milking one or two cows on like that before they're slaughtered for an additional 60 days and putting them on once a day. It'll be the cleaner job would just be to sell them straight out of the parlour through the mart and let someone else take a bit of a margin on them. And the second thing that's worth bearing in mind is that it's not suitable for all cows. Uh, we, it's not suitable for cows that are lame or have a high cell count or are very thin at the start of them at the start of September. So it's only suitable for a very select number of cows in your herd. And for some people, this just isn't worth it.
few clarifications there, George. In option two, you talk about drying off a cow and fattening her indoors. So you're on a concentrate silage diet. What sort of a silage quality do you need in order to achieve the kill out you're talking about? So again, it's top class first cut silage uh, you're talking about here. So you're you're eating into stocks of quality silage, which is why I suppose before anyone considers any of these options, they really need to to go back to the drawing board and have a look and establish what kind of silage stocks that they have at the moment. So, for example, I was out with a, a farmer a couple of days ago, whom I know pretty well, and we established that all of the silage that he has in his pit is needed for the dry cows and for the uh, in-calf heifers over the coming winter. It's good quality feed, but it'll be needed by them. And he's very, very short of additional forage and in his case he's going to buy in uh, a bit of a kind of a forage stretcher to try and get him over the the pinch that he sees between now and the end of October uh, so everyone needs to start by establishing where they currently are with their forage stocks before they look at any of these options uh, Emma Louise and I suppose for any of the fattening options we're looking at we're talking about using a high quality forage in the first place. And then in terms of uh, pricing, just r- remind us of carcass value that you're referring to. Like You mentioned, um, I suppose, the margins achieved, particularly with that dry off and fatten option. You are dependent on uh, a good carcass value persisting, you know, market wise. Correct. So what we'll do, Emma Louise, is we'll, we'll put the, uh, all of the scenarios and information around them. Uh, up on the Chagas Web, Web Dairy Daily website uh, today or this week, and all the scenarios will be in there and can be see how you can see how we've costed them. But we use carcass values in the order of four thirty kilo for the straight to the factory option. That's a PA a P grade, maybe a three. We use a value of four euro sixty per kilo for the dry off and fatten scenario. And we use the value, an intermediate value of four euro forty five for the once a day and milk on uh, milk on for sixty day and fatten at the same time scenario. So four thirty, four sixty, and four forty five are the carcass values that I use for the three different scenarios. You also mentioned George. You know, it's a certain type of cow that is uh, suitable for this system—a healthy cow. So, you know, probably a cow that isn't lame, a cow that doesn't have high cell count. Um, you know, if we think about the average herd in, herd in the country, uh, sitting at around ninety cows, you know, I suppose how many cows would you estimate would fit into the category? Um, you know, in terms of selecting an, an appropriate option for them. With a herd of ninety cows, and we we work on the assumption of maybe targeting ten percent of the herd that are are empty or have a high cell count. Well, if we've ten percent, that's nine of those cows would be the ones we'd consider for this scenario for these scenarios. And then maybe of those, maybe two or three will be lame or of high cell count. So that would leave us with around five or six. So you're talking about se- typically five to seven percent of the herd. Would be the kind of numbers you you that would be suitable for maybe a once a day scenario and six for sixty days before they're slaughtered. So not all the cows. It's not a big number of cows. It's not really going to make anyone up in terms of additional margin, unless the scale is fairly big. For a farmer in the situation, George, where feed supplies are extremely tight, uh, you know, rain is on the way, but it's not necessarily going to solve the problem overnight. Um, what sort of um, 
options do you see farmers engaging with in order to fill the feed gap at the moment? Okay, so some of the options that are available to fill the feed gap, if we look back historically, first of all, in Louise, at kind of growth rates that resumed when the droughts or dry spells broke, uh, there were no records set, even in the autumn of 2018, after a prolonged summer drought, growth rates across September, October and November were only average with the previous number of years, looking at the, the pasture-based data. So I, I can't see any record being broken this autumn, if and when the dry spell breaks. And we're into September now. So typically we'd be looking at growth rates for the month of September of the pasture-based analysis of around 50 kilos. So I don't see any more than that growing per day for the month of September, even if the drought breaks just now. In fact, I'd say on average, it's going to be slightly less than, than average because on the drier farms where we have it very dry, you know, it's not so bad in the west and north as such, but on the drier part of the country, uh, we, we probably see somewhere between 30 and 40 kilos for the month uh, rather than 50 kilos. The options available, first thing, step one, assess how much silage you have versus how much silage you're going to need for the winter itself. And then you'll fill the gap afterwards. So the options or scenarios that are there afterwards are straw is one option. It's it's coming in, relatively speaking, it's coming in at value uh, compared to uh, silage bales. People are looking for up to 50 euro bale at the moment. Straw is probably better value than that. But you need to have a way of feeding straw. So you need to be able to uh, have full access for the cows that are on straw and then feed a supplement on top of it to, to keep the dry cows going because it's the dry cows you'll be feeding it to. But in terms of value or cost and quality, they're both excellent this year. That's number one. So the second option that people have would be to look at some of the forage, the feed stretches that we can use, such as palm kernel or um, soya hulls as an option to, in addition to the concentrated feed that they're, that they're uh, purchasing for the cows. And I suppose the third option that's there then is to look at the purchase of uh, additional silages in from other farms to make up the gaps. But at the moment, we're, we're in a very strong position in terms of forage, or we seem to be. Uh, and we are also in a very strong position in terms of feed availability. So there's a lot of positives out there at the moment. There's no need for panic or anyone to, to rush into, into buying uh, forages. Start with establishing what's on the farm and then make up the gap if there is a gap accordingly. To summarise, George, let's look at the scenario for somebody who is in that prolonged drought. And I mean, you know, def defining the prolonged drought, you know, speaking with some farmers, they are heavily supplementing since July in the southeast, um, you know, and I suppose more so in the Munster area now, there's a lot of people supplementing heavy over the last month. So for these scenarios where they are, you know, maybe zero grazing or feeding back the second cut silage and, and maybe eating into the first cut. Is the option one in terms of your culling strategies the only solution for them or do they consider option two and three as well? Uh, for someone in, in the scenario where they're, they're starting to feed their silage stocks uh, to the cows or first cut silage to the cows, the, the quickest and simplest option for them would probably be to, to go down the route of uh, a quick cull of a small number of, of empty cows, unless they can get you know forage at reasonable cost available to them. The forage saving with a 1st of September cull of a cow is around 3.4 tonnes of forage dry matter between the 1st of September 
and the 10th of April next year. So the earlier the cull takes place, the greater the forage saving is going to be. That's great, George. It is is good to get an insight into some of the context in terms of income we can expect from now to the end of the year from our milking cows and also the options in terms of feed strategies where things are tight. Thank you, George. You're very welcome, Emma Louise. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to George Ramsbottom for joining me on this week's show. In order to understand aspects of the Dairy Edge, which are most appealing and beneficial to you, our listener, I would appreciate if you could take a few minutes to complete the survey included in the show notes to give your feedback. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.